Section sixteen of the Luck of Roaring Camp and Other Sketches. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by David Wales. The Luck of Roaring Camp and Other Sketches by Bret Hart. Chapter thirteen Mission Dolores. The Mission Dolores is destined to be the last sigh of the native Californian. When the last greaser shall indolently give way to the bustling Yankee, I can imagine he will, like the Moorish king, ascend one of the mission hills to take his last lingering look at the hilled city. For a long time he will cling tenaciously to Pacific Street. He will delve in the rocky fastnesses of Telegraph Hill until progress shall remove it. He will haunt Vallejo Street and those black slums which so vividly typify the degradation of a people. But he will eventually make way for improvement. The mission will be last to drop from his nerveless fingers. As I stand here this pleasant afternoon, looking up at the old chapel, its ragged senility contrasting with this smart spring sunshine, its two gouty pillars with the plaster dropping away like tattered bandages, its rayless windows, its crumbling entrances, the leper spots on its whitewashed wall eating through the dark adobe, I give the poor old mendicant but a few years longer to sit by the highway and ask alms in the names of the blessed saints. Already the vicinity is haunted with the shadow of its dissolution. The shriek of the locomotive discords with the Angelus bell. An Episcopal church of a green Gothic type, with massive buttresses of Oregon pine, even now mocks its hoary age with imitation and supplants it with a sham. Vain, alas! were those rural accessories, the nurseries and market-gardens, that once gathered about its walls and resisted civic encroachment. They, too, are passing away. Even those queer little adobe buildings with tiled roofs like longitudinal slips of cinnamon and walled enclosures sacredly guarding a few bullock-horns and strips of hide. I look in vain for the half-reclaimed Mexican, whose respectability stopped at his waist, and whose red sash under his vest was the utter undoing of his black broadcloth. I miss, too, those black-haired women with swaying, unstable busts, whose dresses were always unseasonable in texture and pattern whose wearing of a shawl was a terrible awakening from the poetic dream of the Spanish mantilla. Traces of another nationality are visible. The railroad navvy has builded his shanty near the chapel and smokes his pipe in the posada. Gutturals have taken the place of linguals and sibilants. I miss the half-chanted, half-drawled cadences that used to mingle with the cheery all aboard of the stage-driver, in those good old days when the stages ran hourly to the mission, and a trip thither was an excursion. At the very gates of the temple, in the place of those who sell doves for sacrifice, a vendor of mechanical spiders was halted with his unhallowed wares. 
even the old padre, last type of the missionary and descendant of the good Junipero, I cannot find to-day. In his stead a light-haired Celt is reading a lesson from a Vulgate that is wonderfully replete with double R's. Gentle priest, in thy orisons let the stranger and heretic be remembered. I open a little gate and enter the mission churchyard. There is no change here, though perhaps the graves lie closer together. A willow tree, growing beside the deep brown wall, has burst into tufted plumes in the fullness of spring. The tall grass blades over each mound show a strange quickening of the soil below. It is pleasanter here than on the bleak mountain seaward, where distracting winds continually bring the strife and turmoil of the ocean. The mission hills lovingly embrace the little cemetery, whose decorative taste is less ostentatious. The foreign flavor is strong. Here are never-failing garlands of immortelles, with their sepulchral spicery. Here are little cheap medallions of pewter, with the adornment of three black tears, which would look like the three of clubs, but that the simple humility of the inscription counterbalances all sense of the ridiculous. Here are children's graves, with guardian angels of great specific gravity. But here, too, are the little one's toys in a glass case beside them. Here is the average quantity of execrable original verses, but one stanza, over a sailor's grave, is striking, for it expresses a hope of salvation through the Lord High Admiral Christ. Over the foreign graves there is a notable lack of scriptural quotation, and an increase, if I may say it, of humanity and tenderness. I cannot help thinking that too many of my countrymen are influenced by a morbid desire to make a practical point of this occasion, and are too apt hastily to crowd a whole life of omission into the culminating act. But when I see the grey immortelles crowning a tombstone, I know I shall find the mysteries of the resurrection shown rather in symbols, and only the love taught in his new commandment left for the graphic touch. But they manage these things better in France. During my purposeless ramble the sun has been steadily climbing the brown wall of the church, and the air seems to grow cold and raw. The bright green dies out of the grass, and the rich bronze comes down from the wall. The willow-tree seems half inclined to doff its plumes, and wears the dejected air of a broken faith and violated trust. The spice of the immortelles mixes with the incense that steals through the open window. Within, the barbaric gilt and crimson look cold and cheap in this searching air. By this light the church certainly is old and ugly. I cannot help wondering whether the old fathers, if they ever revisit the scene of their former labors in their larger comprehensions, view with regret the impending change, or mourn over the day when the mission Dolores shall appropriately come to grief. End of chapter 13